Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you get to ask us the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. Now tonight we're going to share with you our thoughts on how to find sectors with the best stocks to buy in 2020. And as always, we'll look at what's happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts, answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks you're interested in and give you our expert opinion, plus a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and joining me tonight is the super sensational Janine Cox with the pink boxing gloves. She's our senior analyst, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Actually, I didn't bring them again. I'm saving them till the last night of the year. Just something special for our last, for our Christmas special. You've been keeping everybody so, waiting. You've been mentioning pink boxing gloves. So you won't for... have a black eye this oh. week. <laughs> well, I might if I say something wrong tonight. I probably could get a black eye. Could get a black eye, couldn't I? But uh, but so, it's good to have you back. Thank you. We don't get to spend much time together anymore, do we? No, it was a bit of a rush, wasn't it? Just, I know. Mm. I know. She come in late. You know that's fashionably late nowadays, isn't that what it is? Something um, like that? Yeah, no comment. <laughs> okay, if you have a burning question moving right along, for us on the right of your screen is a chat box, so put your questions there. Also, a big hi to anyone new to the show. Great to have you with us tonight. And, of course, moving on into the second Tuesday of the month, and that means that we take a look at the sectors and indices in the Australian All Ordinaries Index. And this goes hand-in-hand hand with our topic for tonight. So it'll be pretty interesting tonight, won't it? Mm. It'll be a great lead into a discussion later. So let's get into the discussion on the indices in our market now. Now, on the screen there, you can see that I've got um, the telco sector up there for you, and I'm just going to switch through... Until no, we get the wrong one, there you go. There we go. So I've got what's called a spaghetti chart. Now, some of you may have seen our little spaghetti chart in the past. These are all the, all of the sectors within the Australian market, including the All Ordinaries Index. I've got there um, part way down the run. So you can see that at the moment, all across the board, we're seeing the sectors are pointing down. But overall, the trend has generally been up. Some rising more sharply than others, like healthcare, for example, that's been the standout. Um, utilities has been the underperformer. You can see in green down the bottom here and financials um, has also been quite low on the board there. So what this really tells you is that if you're looking for um, sectors that might perform better in the coming years, next year, and, and have a resurgence, then you want to look for the ones that are actually not performing now. And looking at the ones that are performing strongly, generally these sectors could continue to, to move higher, but the thinking is that you're going to find the diamonds in the rough in some of the sectors that haven't gone on as well. So energy would be another good one. But I'm not saying that all stocks within the sector could uh, perform well. It's just the there could be some standouts within the sector, and that's what our topic is focusing on tonight. So what I want to do now is talk about um, the next um, table here I've got with all of the sectors marked out showing you what the performance has been for um, now that's the year we want the week so looking at the week as it was or has been which is only a very short week so far it's Tuesday so 1.62% for materials that's a good start for the week we've got utilities energy communication services all in the green so far but look at the rest of the market in the red now particularly information technology consumer discretionary healthcare. They're the big um, losers, I guess, for the week so far. That doesn't mean it's only Tuesday. It doesn't mean that we're going to see it uh, down for the whole week. But, you know, it's not a good start for the week, is it, for those well, sectors? Well, no, it's not a good start for the week. I mean, we had, you know, last week we had a f the Tuesday, Wednesday were down, Thursday, Friday came back strongly. Mm. We had um, 
Mark was up a little bit yesterday mm-hmm. and down a little bit today. So, you know, that's not yeah. so bad. But you know, when we what look, are you saying? There's not a lot of commitment. Is that what you're No, nah, the market's still a little bit lacking of commitment. I think they're sort of just sitting back. I think once we get the um, China trade deal done, the US gets that done, I think it's just going to... Are you sick of that yet? I've been sick of it for about Mm. 12 months. I think, you know, Jim and I have been chatting about it for well over 12 months on the US show that we do or the US Mm. report we do. And I think everybody in America is sick of it. And they're sick of Trump and his tweets and his, you know, mm-hmm. and he just, because he does, he moves the market and he knows he's moving the market. You can't tell me he doesn't. Yeah. And he tweets something out about China trade deal. It's negative and it's what market drops. And then the, the next day he comes out, oh, it's looking better than we thought. And it goes mm. back up again. So, But isn't that the, the way that the commentators often talk anyway? Well, it is. But when you get a president doing it, it should mm. be banned. I mean, the president shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. Like, it should be. Because when a president comes out... Well, and not says being that, seen to be doing it, is that what you mean? Well, yeah. But, you know, as you <laughs> not know... Being so <laughs> <laughs> not being so blunt as Trump. Not being so blunt. But the economy of... The, the US economy is really good. Mm. You know, like, you know, if anybody who watched the show that came out today or the interview with Jim today, you know, we're talking about jobs jobless rate is the lowest, sorry, the, the employment rate or the jobless rate is the lowest since the 1960s. Mm, that's a good so, record, isn't it? I mean, that's massive. And their, and their mm. wages are up 3% in the last 12 months. So they're getting some wages growth. You've got low unemployment. So that's got to mean an economy that's pretty good, mm-hmm. not the one that's really sick. But then we still see people in the, you know... But, th- but doesn't that then ring true that they're in a good position to negotiate then with China? This is now the be- mm. best time, if any, for them to be doing that because I know that the previous um, presidents have tried to, I guess, put a leash on the Chinese, especially in terms of the currency wars, and have failed to do it. Mm. So, you know, maybe this is the first... T- president who will be able to have more control. Well, maybe you need a president that doesn't give a rats, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, they're you know, <laughs> pushing their own agenda, I suppose, a little bit from that point of view, whereas maybe some of the other presidents were hamstrung by money, mm. you know, by, by that, you know, hey, you've got to do this. Mm. And they're a bit scared of China too. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, there's a bit of question about, you know, like the GFC where we had all the quantitative easing and everything mm. out. And we had it here to some degree, and there's talk about quantitative easing here. But sometimes when you let, let, the, let the stuff hit the fan, you get a better result at the end of it, mm-hmm. where what they're trying to do is just adjust the speed of the fan a little bit so it doesn't hit it. Well, look, I think mm. people think it has more of an effect on them than it really mm. does when it comes to our market and mm. investing, even though it will have an impact on the Australian mm. market at times, what's happening in the US, our market's going to do what it's going to do anyway. Yeah, it will. And that's the mm. thing is, you know, from with that the point cycles. of view. Mm. So we finished with the sectors yet? Okay, we've looked at the sectors for the week. I just want to switch over to the month so that we can have a quick, quick look. look. Now, that's all in, in red, a sea of red there. for. The, and look, frankly, this is what you've been wanting and we've mm. been waiting for for so long, looking at the analysis. It's overdue for a bit of a pullback. So... I was saying to someone on the phone the other day, I was talking to one of our direct equity clients and mm-hmm. uh, we're actually clapping our hands together when the market falls back <laughs> like this. So it's um, it's good to see. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When the market mm. falls, Janine and I get really excited So <laughs> from that point of view. But looking at that, consumer discretionary and staples, we've been to two of the bigger performers in the last 12 months. Oh, yeah. Look, and we've, look we've seen, so for the, the current calendar year, we've seen mm. something in the order of 20 27% mm. gains. Um, and uh, what's interesting about that is we actually had a journalist asking us for some information on our thoughts on what the RBA was going to do um, because obviously the cash rate's mm. getting pretty low, so there's not a lot more room to move. Mm. And what the impact of the QE, quantitative easing or bond buying, government bonds would um, have. And, and as part of that research, we looked at um, the sectors and interesting to see consumer discretionary and consumer staples so strong mm. in spite of the fact that consumer spending is apparently not where they want it to be. Yeah, talk of recessions and all sorts of stuff. And you, mm. how do you get staples and discretionary both doing really well yeah. when there's talk of recession? But on the top of that list this, this month, is materials and utilities and energy, which have been some mm. of the worst performers. But we're going to come back and talk about this. We're going to bring the same thing up later on when we cover our top topic for tonight. And we'll explain a little bit more about what our thinking top is topic? and what we're looking at. Our top topic for tonight um, from that. But that bring, we now get, need to get into some emails. Now, we've got a, our first question 
uh, tonight is from uh, Andrew, I believe. Andrew, who mentions, hi, guys, keep up the good work. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for supporting us. Um, he says, one stock I have my eye on is ALX or Atlas Arteria. It uh, looks to trend well and thinking of entering after a bit of a pullback. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Andrew. So let's get into Atlas Arteria now. Okay. Um, on the screen there, we'll just bring that up there. You can see the monthly chart on the left-hand side. Did you want to talk about it? or do well, You, you can to... talk about it. I've got to scratch my nose. Okay. <laughs> we'll let him do that. I'm glad the camera's not pointing at you right now. Um, okay. Atlas Arterial ALX is the code. You can see there really nice strong trend on this stock um, over time. So it's a infrastructure type um, stock. So you'd expect that to be the case. And we know that the government um, is spending a lot of money on infrastructure at the moment. And we were talking before, you don't get economies falling when governments are spending heaps of money on infrastructure and consumer staples and consumer discretionary sectors are booming. So looking at this here, you can see that we've had this stellar rise up to the high here. It's taking a bit of a breather, probably a lot quicker than the overall market did. And sometimes these types of stocks can be telltale turn before the market. And that gives you a bit of an indication as to what could happen on the market. So we are seeing a bit of a what's called a little topping pattern there. Um, it's possible that it may actually fall further. So we could see further declines on this share in the short term. It would really need to get back above 8.15 or thereabouts in the next couple of months to um, confirm that it wasn't actually going to be seeing further downside, but at least a little bit more downside. I'd like to stay on the stock um, in the short term, just to come back to the angle of the, the longer term trend there. Uh, looking at the weekly chart, I just want to show you something. You'll notice that this stock, its not this is not unfamiliar territory, it repeats. So when we talk about stocks, we often talk about things from the past repeating in the future. And so it becomes a personality that you'll identify on a particular share. And that's what we're seeing with Atlas. It's just doing something that it's always done in the, mm. or that has done in the past. Mm. I mean, it's looking really good now, isn't it? It does yeah. look really, really good now. Look, bigger picture, this is a good stock to trade. It's not. But he's waiting for a pullback. Yeah, which is wise. In, which is which mm. is wise. But what is the rule to get in? I mean, how far is it going to pull back? And that's the question a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Because what a lot of people do is they, I mean, like it was the subject of my market report yesterday. I was saying, mm -hmm. you know, the whole idea is to buy low, sell high. But a lot of people try and buy cheap, not low. Right. Uh, because they're saying, well, the stock's fallen. I'm buying it because it's cheap. But then it keeps falling because people don't know where the low is mm -hmm. and what is buying low and selling high. So and they're still buying while it's falling, is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, and, and I, my, the example I use, or well, the two examples mm -hmm. I use, is Telstra and AMP. AMP has mm -hmm. been falling for 20 years. And so people it have keeps been getting cheaper, yeah. you know, and it's, it it's been going up the last few weeks and mm -hmm. looking quite nice technically. Mm -hmm. But you've got to keep it in your mind like, geez, this stock's so many disappointing for so many years, it's not funny. So I want, yeah. I want more than a few weeks up to go, yeah, now this is an uptrend. I'm going to wait for a whole year for this thing to mm. move up before I get excited about AMP, I think. Look, I'd probably be, you're mm. normally more aggressive on some stocks than I am, but I'd probably be prepared to do it a little bit earlier than that in this case, but, but actually managing the, yeah, the tighter <laughs> stop loss, managing the risk a bit tighter. Most definitely, but this looks but, good. And so where is it? Where is it? I mean, look, okay, yeah. if it keeps falling, we don't really care. There's a bottom line mm, about no. where it is. It's just, okay, if it keeps falling, then we just allow it to fall. I think and that's wait, important. Mm, wait for the solid rules to enter. So just allow the rest of the market to mm. be the test tube dummies, if you like, let the rest of the market get in or try to get in at, at the bottoms or where the perceived bottom dummy. is. Yeah. Test, mm. test. That's my science thought, hat coming back I in there. I thought it would be crash test dummies, but anyway, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, and, then, and then allow the, the, the stock to rebound. So don't worry about trying to get in right at the mm. bottom and get it as it's cheap, as Dale says. Just allow the stock to come back up again and produce some nice solid entry rules. Okay. Well, the next question. Next question. Okay. The next question we have is from our YouTube channel comments and is from LB who writes, Hi, Dale and Janine. I really enjoy your show. Thank you very much. And I was wondering whether you'd be able to analyse Kogan. I bought the stock in July for about four ninety, and it's risen to seven twenty. Wow, that's a nice little bit of uh, profit there. Do you reckon the stock will keep right increasing? Kind regards from Liam and keep up the great work educating and inspiring younger traders like myself. Oh, thank you. Good and it's great Liam. to see somebody younger in there. Cause yeah, anybody under 40 is young to me. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually got a good spread in terms of the age group now, haven't we? Yeah, we're getting a lot more younger people. So under 35, we're getting a lot more of that. Before, it was generally people over 35, but I think 
the millennials, if, if I can broadly categorize people under 35, is they're realizing that they're, they have to do something while they're younger in terms of investing to bring income in because mm. they know they're going to be unemployed or, or more transient in their jobs. You know, when we started work, you had a job for life pretty mm. much. That's what you did. Yeah. You know, you're in that same area for life and we didn't move jobs very often. Nowadays they do. More technology means mm -hmm. less jobs, all sorts of other things. So they're trying to make money elsewhere other than physical labour, which is smart. Yeah, it's smart. Mm. However, I look after going to a couple of um, mm. workshops and you did a presentation some time ago and speaking mm. to a few young people, and I did a presentation for a particular group as well, and there were some young guys there. Um, there's always some young guys in the background mm. and they actually come up and have a chat with you. And mm. the, the issue that concerns me though is that... The, They've got the biggest opportunity in terms of time, but they're not taking advantage of it properly. Correct. Correct. Mm. Yeah, they're still there. It's interesting when you look at the ASX shareholder survey. Now, I suggest you go to ASX. Just type into Google ASX shareholder survey and download it and you'll look at how the statistics of younger people and older people, what their, what their um, propensity for risk is mm. and what they think in terms of what kind of returns and how they're doing things. Well, when you, get, when you get older, you don't have the time to make mistakes and stuff around, no. basically, to put it bluntly. No, you so don't. you've got to get the right information as soon as you possibly can and sift through the mm. garbage that's out there, whereas the younger people seem to want to dance around it. And, not, and you know, in my time, I've only met a few young people who were switched on really quick and worked it out from the start. Yeah, a lot of young people, from what, mm. not a, no offence to the young people, a lot of them think they already know. Yeah. And it's not until 10 years down the track that they realise they how, how ignorant they were mm. when they did think they know, and it's hard. And it, we still seem to find that same sort of thing for 35-year-olds and 45-year-olds because mm -hmm. it's not until you actually get a measuring stick of how what you know, you, how do you know? And a lot yeah. of people think just by you know, watching some YouTube videos and following some chat forms that they're knowledgeable. Mm. And it's not the case. But let's go and have a look at Kogan anyway. Okay. Because that's I've what the question was the screen. about. Um, um, yeah, look, Kogan looks in really interesting. I think we've talked about this on the show before. Mm. It's actually rebounded quite strongly. But notice how that the, the closes um, the last couple of months were around similar levels. We've seen that here in uh, August, September, October, opens and closes around the same level. We're seeing it again here. Now, it's not to say that Kogan may... You know, it, we could see some further appreciation in the share price, but generally this sort of action where you see a, a big move up and then it just comes back to a baseline can often see a little bit more weakness on the downside before the market decides what it's going to be valued at in the coming months. So, look, there's room to move on the downside with this stock and it would really need to head back above the 750, 7.45 mark um, to be confident that it's going to keep going up. But it's, it's a nice trend anyway that we're seeing here. Mm. So I like the stock. Um, it may move on the downside. It may trigger an exit. But, you know, as long as you've got some good rules, you don't need to worry about it, do no, you? No, that's the thing is, I, was, mm. I think I was, I can't remember where I was saying it just the other day. And I said, nobody ever rings me asking about a stock um, rising. They only ring and actually, type look, messages in about stocks falling away. So Well, on the show, they're actually doing that. They're sending mm. us a lot of stocks that have been going up, which is interesting, isn't it? Mm, it is, but it's about protecting downside. That's mm. really what it's about. So as long as you've got a stop loss on it, just stay with it. So look, uh, keep going with it. So, But it does look like a good stop, doesn't it? It does. Okay, so, so where are we going continue to now? On? Yeah. Before we get into the chat, I just um, we all love getting into that <laughs> side of it. Um, we just wanted to let you know that a technical glitch occurred when we sent out an email about a special offer for the education. And the reason we became aware of this is because some of you lovely people called in inquiring about the education. And when we asked whether you'd seen the email, you said that you you hadn't. So thank you for your honesty. All right, our IT department have done their best and rectified <laughs> rectified the problem, and we will be reset sending the email tomorrow. So if you've been thinking about giving us a call, there is a significant saving for you with this offer. That's fantastic. Now, as promised, let's get into the chat and see what other questions there are. Can you plonk these in? Because I've got a couple of okay. questions or statements at the top. So I'll answer those while you bring that up. So we had a couple. William says, hi, Dale and Janine. Will the show be taking a break during the Christmas New Year holiday? Uh, the answer is yes and no. Janine and I will be having a break, but we're putting together a couple of shows. Um, that oh, you're letting me have a run. break. Yeah, so you're gonna. So I think next week we're going to be doing the last live show for the year. You're going to wear your Santa have hat. A couple, sorry, you're wearing your Santa hat. Hey, ho, ho, ho. Um, but yeah, so we'll do one more live show uh, next week, and then we'll be uh, probably having a couple of um, pre-recorded things. So we're going to do a couple of things for that for the next couple of weeks. 
Um, but I'm not exactly sure when we're coming out, but that's or when we're coming back, but that's why you subscribe. So if you haven't subscribed to the channel, hit the subscribe button now. And when we do upload videos or when we're going to go live again, you'll get notified of that from a YouTube. They'll let you know that it is happening. So, and also it comes out in our e-news. So if you haven't subscribed to our e-news report, we send that out every Tuesday as well, which has podcasts on it, articles on it, and it tells you that we're on the, the show tonight. So there's another way that you keep informed about what we're doing. So thanks, William, for that. Um, we've got one from Sharice. Um, um, she says, I want to thank you for your wonderful, wonderful, thoughtful and supportive team for their support through this time with the trying bushfires. And Sharice been one of those people into the bushfires. Um, and so we've been trying to help her out. And I've got another one. If, can, I, can I read an email? Am I allowed to read an email? Mm-hmm. I've got an email today or the other day, actually, from some another one of our students. Um, um, and it's a relatively long email, as you can see, so I'll abbreviate a little bit. He's a farmer, and I really wanted to say to people, it's the farmers are really doing it hard right now, so anything you can do to help, um, it really is important for Australia. But he says, hi, darling team. I'm a student trying to complete the diploma course, and I just wanted to say thank you. I called up yesterday morning and spoke to Cathy, asking to withdraw from my course, having failed to submit my case studies and sit my exam for Module 3 on time. My family property business and my own personal business have been heavily affected by this never-ending drought. My family are primary producers and I own a business in livestock produce, so this drought has had us working ungodly hours just to keep the animals fed and heads above our water. With the bushfires in New South Wales currently surrounding us um, on the Monday just past, we've now had to evacuate our home and hope for the best. It was honestly what some could say uh, broke the camel's back. Now, I won't go into the rest of it. He talks a bit about being feeling a bit disappointed himself and the pressure and everything else. And what we did was he gave, um, instead of withdrawing him, Kathy, who's our be- beautiful student administration person, said, well, I'm going to defer you for six months and then we'll have a chat then, get you back on your feet again. Um, but he really was relieved. And he, he goes on to say, he finishes off saying, trading has been something I've been fascinated with but never understood ever since I was a kid. And I made the decision to roll in your diploma course as a way of treating myself and learning what I consider life skills. And he's so right there. At this point, I've had to pull back simply to paper trade as money I had for investing is needed elsewhere. Though the skills I've learned even thus far through the course have been an immense improvement to the results of my trades. I never miss your YouTube shows, uh, which have been a great source of information when I haven't had the time to follow the market. Um, uh, thank you for providing such amazing course. Thank you for having such amazing team members um, like Kathy to support the students. So totally agree with you. We do have an amazing team and Kathy is amazing and the, the support team, the assessors are amazing. But I know because you said that you're watching, you do have our support, you know, very much so. You know, when, when you're ready to come back and finish the course off, we'll be here um, to help you. So it was only the little thing that we can do to help you take some of that pressure off. So um, hopefully everything's going well with you on your property and things get better for you. So, um, but as I said, all the best from us and have a good Christmas too. Um, but let's get into the chat now. You want to say anything? Um, look, I think you've said a lot and yeah, we'll be thinking of you. So let's go into AGL. That's for Tommy. So we'll have a look All at right. that. With AGL. Now, at the moment, AGL is holding up reasonably well. We've seen a bit of resistance happening around here at about $20, $20.50. Uh, it's really struggling to get through this point right now, but it did have a good rise weekending the 29th of November. Looking at it from a big picture point of view, it's possible this was a long-term low for the stock. However, there is a risk that it could come back and take out this August 2019 low if it actually pulls back below the low of 29th of November. So we just need to be watching that. Um, The next point of risk would be the 25th of October, but that would be the absolute lowest point. Like if it traded below that 25th of October low. Thomas says he's bought it at 2006, so he's bought it basically where it is right now. Oh, just a bit low. He's got a little bit of a profit sitting there. So um, so while he's in profit, he's okay. But mm. I mean, it's in a nice little trend. So there's no reason to be... If I was holding the stock, I wouldn't be selling it. I'd be waiting and, and looking for some proper rules to, to exit, manage and exit on it. Because it could continue up. Yeah, it could. It looks still, mm. It's still bullish. It's not bearish. That's so not a big issue. Um, but as long as we've worked out... You just have to think about loss. the upside and the downside just mm. in case it goes one way or the other. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's pretty good. So let's get on to the next one. It's Ross. Ross says, hi, Dale and Janine. Hope you are both well. Yes, we are, matey. Thanks very much. Um, watch every week live when I can. Wanted your view on Link. I don't own, have been watching it since June when it fell out of bed looking to buy. Thanks. So 
Uh, let's have right. a look at Link. We've got Link up on the screen there. Link Administration, this is a stock that I did a big review on mm. for our weekly report for our students. Well, Where it, did we, you do that? Because I have to watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Mm. <laughs> That's mean, isn't Thanks. it? Um, because, look, it's there's not a lot of history here. So we're only talking four years of history on a stock. Now, typically when we trade stocks, we're looking for at least 10 years of history Minimum, if it's really short-term trading, minimum five to do a good analysis on it. Um, but that would be on the weekly chart. Now, on the monthly chart, where we start our bigger picture review, always, uh, we're looking here at a stock that's been sold off so heavily that the, the risk is it could continue to fall. Any stock that's fallen like this um, is always a risk of it going lower. Just remember that. it's No stock is ever cheap. But I'm looking at Link here and thinking, okay, if we... If the high stays at around 571, so meaning that the stock doesn't make it above that level this month, but it does do that into 2020 and start moving higher, there could be an opportunity for some short to medium term gains on the share price. Um, and I think that, you know, here we can see the big reversal happened at the bottom with people trying to bottom pick the share. That's not the safe money. So that's not the point at which you want to try to get in the share. Now, we can see huge resistance overhead here up around that um, $6.7 mark, $6.57 mark. Um, so I'd just be looking to see some further gains on the share price before I would even entertain this particular share because it could come back further. Yeah, I am starting to like it. Mm. I think the pendulum from I don't like it to I like it is now swinging to the I like it side of it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not going to stall and go backwards again. We'll so. just have a look at the short term mm. action on the chart. And you can mm. see here that the highs are getting higher, but the lows are sort of going sideways mm. and not really moving much. And last week's bar was down. So that's not a strong short term move. So we just need to see either a flush out on the downside, which is my preference. I'd like to see it push down a bit lower to mm. get a better entry. Uh, but it may actually shoot up before we get that opportunity. But that's a really good point. A lot of people might jump into this because mm. it's down for a couple of weeks. Just be patient. Mm. Just be patient. And I think that's where I know with the, the traders that I'm actually personally mentoring at the moment, I think about four of them keep telling me they're impatient and want mm -hmm. things really quickly. And I go, just settle. Mm. You know, the market's always going to be there, whether you are or not, it's another different thing. It's going to keep trading. It'll take your money or give you money, depending on how good you are. That's right. And it's about being patient and waiting for things. And too many people think, well, I've got money in my account to trade, so I just got to trade it. And I don't mm. know. How many times have you been 100% in cash? I mean, I don't know. It's mm. constantly 100% in cash and then 100% invested. And then. Well, I actually you know, had a call with a lovely guy who I've known for quite a few years now and mm. met him at one of our workshops about me. years ago. Oh, no, okay. I Sorry. met you at a workshop, um, who I met at a work, one of our workshops mm -hmm. years ago. And he at the time when he invested, because we did have a bit of money in cash yep. in his portfolio, and he rang not long ago and he said, look, now I get it. I understand why you go from a situation, because he'd been used to where being fully invested, mm. you know, managed funds and different accounts where they put you model portfolios where they just say on day one, right, here's all the stocks in the model. You're getting them regardless of whether they're going up, down or sideways. And that's not, not the answer. So, um, so, you know, that's important here, isn't it? Well, it is. And the other thing they do is they constantly trade because mm. they make more money because they're charging brokerage for trading. Yeah, so they make more right. money trading and people and you know, people say to us, well, how much do you trade? And we go, not not a lot, mm. you know, but we could be trading a lot more and making more money on the brokerage side of our clients. But we'll have the opinion if it's not worth having a trade, why take it? Yeah, that's just not our to, strategy Just to keep turning it over. And I think, mm. you know, a lot of people don't realise how much that's happening. Well, the big funds rebalance. Mm. That's what you're talking mm. about constantly. Yeah, yeah. That's, but even yeah. the SMAs and the, the mm. other direct ones, you know, they, they're trading a lot more mm. than they need to be. And that's pretty common. Okay. And then you're getting this high frequency trading nowadays of some of these funds are just running algorithms to keep trading and you know the costs are just mm. sneaking in there all the time but anyway let's go to another question what we've got is um is it Telstra? Uh, no, we've got Vishvana. Um, I think that's how you say your name, PDL. Vishvana okay. saying, hello, stock market gurus. I think he's talking about you, Janine. Uh, nice to tune into your show again. Thanks, matey. Welcome back. Please have a look at PDL for me. I do have some shares and they've gone up 8% since and looking to buy more shares. Thank you. Okay, uh, so Pendle Group. I think we've looked at this one before. It just rings a bell. Weeks, three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's actually holding up really quite nicely looking at it right now. Another one it, that's leaning towards the get-eye. I like it again. Yeah. Even if it does pull back, I mean, it's not going to be mm. a, um, a negative thing for this share, I think. Mm. 
It has made um, all of the short-term gains I think it was going to make, though, for now. I'd expect it to sort of sit here, go sideways for a little while before it then starts to head up to around the $10, possibly $11 mark over the more medium term. But I like it. I wouldn't buy this sort of stock, though, without having tested it because mm. – um, and I wouldn't be buying it right now because at the moment it's down. It could be down for a couple of weeks. So you just have to be mindful of that. But you need a really good entry rule on this particular share and you need to know where it's at and how much upside it's got. Whenever you take a trade, it's not just about managing the risk on the downside. It's understanding well, what's the upside. And that's one of the things that I think the students that come through our course get so excited about because mm -hmm. it's like having a blindfold on when you're trading. You've got no idea where this share price is going to go until you've actually done the analysis on it that we teach you. So when you do see it, it just jumps out of the chart at you and you think, oh my goodness, you know, it's like having the blindfold removed, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And it's, mm. it's one of the common comments I get when I'm talking to students and especially once they get into module three. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they go, and it's almost like they got hit on the face with a wet fish. It's like, wow, <laughs> wake up. They go, wow, because the whole market changes. We're getting lots of comments from people in, you know, the early modules mm -hmm. about how they've changed, you know, their, what we changed. Like, I mean, this, this email mm -hmm. from this gentleman I read out, he hasn't even finished module three. Okay. So he's talking about it's improved his results just from the first couple of modules, which is pretty normal. But it's like a lifting their veil off people. Mm. And they're like, wow, now I actually see the market for what it actually is, not what my perception is. Because perception is the reality for them, but it may not be the real real reality. Sure. And, and until you understand more, and it's that the whole thing is education is the progressive realisation of our ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was Einstein that said that mm -hmm. for memory. So I'm good at quoting some people, but, uh, yep. but it is. And, and that's really what happens when we educate you with the right way all of a sudden the veils come off, the shackles come off and you get more freedom and you actually get you're better at picking good stocks and you're better at managing it and less stress, a whole lot less uh, happens. Because when you, the, the thing about mm. being able to see the upside is you feel more comfortable mm. in the trade Yeah. because you've got an idea about where it's going to go to. It's not like saying, oh, I just want to make 10% on this share. Well, uh -huh. Hang on a minute. This share could make 20 for all you know. It mm. could be There could be some really important levels at 20 that's more likely to go to that level. Well, yeah, correct. And you stay mm. in it while it's there. I mean, you'd expect this to drift back after that bad bullish week, wouldn't you? But you would. uh, right now, just stay with it. Have your stop loss on it. But uh, but as uh, we've got to move on now, but remember, if you haven't subscribed to our channel yet, please hit that big subscribe button. It really does help us to help you. I There's think they're listening to you because more and more people I talk to on the no, phone. No, it's down the last month. Less really? people have been subscribing. Yeah. So they're not listening to me. Maybe you tell them, well, don't listen to me. Listen to okay. Janine. Okay. Tonight, if you can subscribe for me, I'll beat Dale. So please help me. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so. <laughs> and hit the like button So from that point of view. But it's now time for the topic for tonight's show, which is how to find sectors with the best stocks to buy in 2020. Now, whilst we're not going to go into this in heavy detail like we do with our students, because it is a, a quite a, a reasonable sort of subject when we go to our students, because finding stocks to buy is one part of the whole process. And if you do that right, then it makes a whole lot of other things a lot easier. So, so what we are going to share with you is the basic process we take to find the best stocks for the coming year. And the stuff that you can actually do um, with the resources you have now, either with free resources or something else, but we'll take you through that process. Now, the, the, the neck bit's yours. Okay, the process is quite simple to understand in principle, but it's actually harder to get right without the training. So in essence, we look at the big picture, and then we narrow down that in successive steps until we arrive at the stocks that might be the best buys over the coming months and year. So we'll be taking you through an overview in a moment, but first we'll discuss the steps. I think that's really important to start at this point. And the first step is to look at the market and consider what the best and worst sectors were on the market. Now, we know that often the best performing sector one year is not the best performer in the next, and that's what makes it confusing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And the worst performer in one year is not the worst the next. So how many times have you actually heard, oh, this stock has done extremely well, or the sector's done extremely well, only mm -hmm. to um, purchase the stock or be following it and then see it underperform the following year. You only have to watch the TV, don't you? Because mm. you, you see all the ads for the fund managers, you know, hey, we're, we're the number one 
fund last year, blah, 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 blah. And they belt it out, but the statistics are that they're not even in the top 10 the next year because there's only one way is down after you beat the top. <laughs> you think so? Well, yeah. So to me, it's, me, the somebody, the managed fund that had the worst performance last year mm-hmm. should be the one out saying, hey, we were absolutely terrible last year, so but you better we're invest. Be great. In, but we're going to be great <laughs> next year, so invest with us. <laughs> okay. I'd rather be consistent. <laughs> okay. With that in mind, can we determine, we can determine what sectors are likely to rise and which are actually likely to fall or slow down. Now, as we mentioned, this is really a simplified view. So if you want to learn how to analyse the sectors and find the best stocks, then you need to get the process right. Miss a step or fail to go into it deeply enough and you risk getting it completely wrong. And there can be a big difference between the winners and the losers when it comes to picking stocks. So have a think about it. Where do you want to be? Now, once you determine which sectors you need to look at, for the opportunities, then we can go and look at the chart of each sector to really get a technical view on it. And then we look at the constituents within each sector. So now we're chunking it down from big picture to middle picture, then to smaller picture. So once we have a list of constituents, then we narrow down our searches. Some stocks will lead the move and some will be followers. And and what I mean here is that some stocks will start rising before the sector might turn to move up. And then some stocks will start their rise much later as interest in that sector rises and investors look for value. So Janine, let's bring up the charts now and and talk about the process and show people how we actually do this. All right. So first of all, let's start with the table that shows the sectors and we'll look at the year uh, returns for these sectors first. So we can see there that healthcare had a whopping 42%. So, you know, if your portfolio didn't have any healthcare stocks in it, for a big part of the year, then obviously, you know, your portfolio may so underperform. your ResMeds, your Cochleas, your Ramses. Your Sonic Healthcare. Sonic Healthcare done really yep. well. Yep. yep. So there's a lot of those type of shares. You, um, so if you had those types of shares in your portfolio, you'd have a, probably a pretty good return. But the key is not to have too many of the, even though, okay, that sector's done really well, the mm-hmm. key is not to have too much exposure to any one sector necessarily because, you know, if you get it wrong, you're going to get it wrong in a big way. Like mm. we, we'd say, if we, if you bought BHP, then you could buy Rio. Um, if you bought BHP, then you could buy FMG. But not to buy, you know, half your portfolio or three quarters of your portfolio full of the stocks in the same sector. No, and we got a, a we got a question from somebody about this already about the sectors. Okay. He says, where is it? So he's prepared. Uh, That's uh, fantastic. Well, yes, <laughs> absolutely. It pays to be prepared, especially around you. I don't know exactly where it is, but I won't look for it. Basically <laughs> saying, do you concentrate on the sectors yep. more or the top 10 stocks on the market more? Okay. Good question. Yeah, look, I wouldn't narrow my um, scope to the top 10 mm. stocks on the market. So the sectors are an important part of it, but it's only one part of it. You've still got to look at the stocks in the areas that your portfolio is designed for. So if your portfolio was set up as a top 20 portfolio, we have one of those in our direct equity managed account service, then of course your focus will be on the top 20, um, not as heavily on the the sectors per se, because you've only got 20 stocks that you've got to analyse. But if you're looking at a top 100, which predominantly our growth portfolio looks at the top 100, then we'd really be focused on looking at the sectors and and aiming to get um, a good pick out of the sectors, a spread of different sectors or stocks within different sectors across the board. So that's more or less I think it's about about, um, context. Okay. Because it could be coming from a context like what's in my book. You know. Right, okay. So is that because you're talking, you talk about buying the top 10 shares? Sometimes you... Yeah, as I said, if okay. we did buy the top 10 shares, you do yep. really, really well. But what we're talking about is that's more what I would call passive investing where you just buy 10 stocks, the top 10 and That's about trying it. to make it ridiculously simple, that's, isn't it? Yeah, you that's know? Dale's mm. dumb as dog whatever oh. process. So Dale's dumb down technique. Yep. That's a better way of saying it, isn't it? That's Dale's dumb down term, technique. Just buy a whole of the top 10, okay. you'll do okay. Uh, and you'll do better than most managed funds in the on index managed funds, that sort of stuff. Index ETFs, you'll do better than them as well. Have over a few good rules period. around it and you'll do even better again. That's what we're talking about is so being more be... active mm. and being an active investor or going into trading. So the same process we're talking about here, we teach our traders, obviously in a lot more depth and a lot more pulling it apart so we really fine-tune it down. But even for investors, it's a great little process to take to find what stocks are going to take off. So if you're mm-hmm. more active, this is what you do. If you want to be more passive, then just buy the top 10 socks or 10 of the top yeah, 20. Yeah, that's a really good well. way of putting it. Mm. And that's really the, that that context. As, am I active or am I passive? If I'm buy and hold, then mm. 10 stocks 
or 10 of the top 20 is fine. If you want to be more active, get some rules, as Janine said, mm -hmm. and then do some of the things great that we're talking question, about here. Way. And it is a great question. That's why I thought I'd interrupt mm -hmm. you on this. Okay. But what we're looking at here is the yearly um, list of all the sectors. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've got all that. So what's the next step? Okay, so we looked at the sectors and we're looking at the ones that have actually overperformed. Now, there may still be some stocks that are likely to do really well into the following year. So we're not saying that mm. you completely rule out all stocks within these higher performing sectors. Mm. But what we're saying is that we're trying to look for some of those diamonds in the rough. So looking at the, the financials, the utilities, the ones towards the bottom, maybe even energy, um, you know, even materials is, is lower down than what I had expected materials to be at this time of the year. But there's probably a, to, not to interrupt you, but there's probably an important thing is the All Orders Index made 19.31. Okay, so, yeah. So, so it's tracking the market. So that's the market mm. itself. Yeah. Um, but healthcare's doubled that. Mm. So therefore, it's if the market's running at a certain momentum and you've got sectors that are overperforming or outrunning that sector, that means their momentum is a lot higher. And eventually momentum runs out. Mm -hmm. But you've also got sectors, as you talked about, as utilities, financials have been slow. Their momentum is slow. So they are a lot slower than that. So you'd think that they're going to start to pick up. Yeah, so if we, go back, if we go back to that spaghetti chart that we looked at, mm. So what you're saying is because this, the, if we look at the All Lords, which is mm. sitting about here, mm. we're seeing all of these ones above the, the, the market and we're seeing all of these ones below and eventually some of them are going to try to come back to the middle because well, that's where the, or track the market, if you like, overall. Mm. Because when you look at a lot of managed funds, they index weight, correct? Mm. Mm. And when they index weight, what they're actually doing is they're balancing out their portfolio and they rebalance their portfolios all the time. Mm -hmm. But they also like, to, so they're rebalancing in sectors. Yep. So they're moving monies from one sector to the other. And if they see value in another sector, they start moving it. So when one sector becomes way overvalued, they start down selling it, which means it peaks out and starts falling away. Mm. Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's it's a slow pattern. Look, the funny thing is that the healthcare mm. sector, I mean, mm. I've Honestly, did not expect it to perform that strongly. Neither did I. Because it's, you know, some of those stocks mm. have continued to perform. Mm. And so if we, this is why Dale and I are saying, we're not saying that, okay, you take a completely contrarian view mm. and look only at the bottom picks. We're saying, okay, because the healthcare sector has performed well for quite a few years. Yeah, and there might be some, like I was talking about before, there's some mm. that are lagging that sector because you've had some leading, mm. which we have. So have a look they're at playing ones. Playing catch up. They're playing catch up. Yeah. So they still could be undervalued and playing catch up. So there could be value there. So that's really what we're saying mm. is look at those sectors, what's moving. So we'd be looking a lot more for opportunities in that bottom half of the table, not necessarily mm -hmm. the top half, but there's still opportunities in the top half because yep. the sector still is moving. So what's been lagging all the others in there? Look, there's some great opportunities in materials, for okay. example, and that's been tracking, mm. you know, along the, that's sort of the middle of the road anyway. Okay, so we've looked at the sectors. Yeah. So we've looked at what's performed and what hasn't performed in 2019. Okay. We've looked at your spaghetti chart. Let's just so, jog our memories a little bit first yeah. before we move on. Okay. So if we just look at financials and utilities and we go and have a look at what's in the sectors, is that what you... Well, you look at it, let's say, let's bring up the uh, let's bring up the, the energy chart, right? Because that's at 18, it's just below the all-out. Okay, so there's yeah. the energy chart. So now what we do is we have a little bit of looking at it and say, okay, well, the energy's actually been moving up for quite some time, but it's just stalled for a little bit, hasn't it? And we're still so, nowhere near that all-time high, which no. is incredible. So this is where Dale and I, we look at this and we see huge opportunities mm. coming up. Correct. But let's mm. go and have a look at the, the worst one, financials. And let me put that onto a monthly chart. It looks let's have a abysmal, look. doesn't it, at the yeah, moment? It, mm. It's Even though we've had that, too, that's the GFC low, it moved up, but it's been going sideways and nowhere since 2015. Now, this actually looks mm. better than a lot of the stocks in the sector at the moment, yes. let me say. And, and that's Especially because Westpac. of Commonwealth Bank and Macquarie are actually mm. doing really well. Mm. But we're talking about, like Dale said, Westpac and NAB, um, even some of the smaller second-tier banks like Bank of Queensland has mm. really done poorly. So, you know, but this is actually showing you that it's done nothing for mm. five years, really. It's just sideways. And it's got to break one way or another sometime, mm. but right now it's not. So generally, so what Janine and I do is look at the spaghetti chart, look at the big picture, have a look at the charts. So that's our next step, which is we don't, we've done. So let's assume we've done looking at the charts. Now what's the next step? Well, the next step is then to consider what the constituents are within mm. the sector. So, but, but that's actually not, because we do a full analysis on yes. the sector. 
and do the analysis on the monthly chart, weekly chart. The challenge with the sectors is that they only go back to 2011 or 2012 because that's when they started measuring the, the indices mm. on our market, unfortunately. But you, you do know that some of the stocks within the sector have a dominant effect on the market. So that gives you a bit of a clue as to what's going on. But you really need to be able to pull together a proper analysis to understand what the upside potential is mm. and what the downside risk is. And that's where we can teach you to do all of that so that your risk is lower. At the end of the day, that's what all of that um, understanding will give you and give you an opportunity to make some good gains from what you know. Mm. So looking at one of the sectors, say, let's pick, um, what, we, what do we say, um, utilities was an example of one of the sectors. Did you want to look at that? We can look at that. Utilities, telcos, whatever. Okay, so if we look at, uh, how do I enlarge it? Cause it's Just right quite, click. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it for you. You keep talking Thanks. and I'll do it for you. So if we're looking at this sector, you can see there that there's the monthly um, view, perspective of what's happening in that sector um, at the moment. So this is utilities. We can see at the top of the run, see how distorted the view is in the sector. So it's not like our overall market um, uh, where we see you know, a few standout performers and then a few negative ones. We're looking at a real spread of stocks that either haven't performed or stocks that have underperformed and only a few really good ones. So if I change this to the year, it's going to change the picture again. We've seen this one delisted. Often when a stock gets taken over, it then is delisted and often the share price will mo have moved up really strongly into that. So I'm just going to delete that one off there for the time being. And there's another one there. So we want to get rid of any yeah, delisted stocks. we haven't cleaned stocks. this list up, have we? No. And looking at um, the top there, you can see um, this Tilt Renewables and Imex HS Limited extremely outperform Meridian Energy, um, Kalina Power, uh, Mercury New Zealand. All these ones were really quite strong in the past year. Now, mm. if we go back and we have a look at the bottom, now I'm not saying that these stocks are going to be great performers because well, they're we, micro caps, a lot of those. Yeah, ones, a lot of they? these are small ones. So I'm not talking about illiquid stocks here because we're not going to be bothered trading those type of shares because they're extremely high risk and they could, you know, really put a hole in your portfolio well, rather than helping you. That's the important you. step is once you get the constituents, so just go to Google and type in, well, you know, shares that are in this sector and you'll be able to find a list online um, to get a list of all the stocks in the sector. Well, if, but then you if, need to filter it down. If you do the course and you're really mm. wanting to be serious about it and you get the, the package mm. free within the course and so then you'll be able to, to do everything that you need to do holistically rather than trying to do it in piecemeal. Oh, the, the software that we're using, yeah, yeah. It, it's included with the course, yeah. And this is really, yeah. only if, you've, if you want to be an advanced trader or a really good trader, then you need software Even, like even investment manager for your own portfolio because I know people who have, you know, they've got their life savings in their portfolio and Yeah, but if I, was, if I wasn't trading, you? I wouldn't have this software because I wouldn't need it. There's plenty of good bits of stuff online that you can use. Okay. Um, to look, manage your portfolio from a mm. more passive point of view. Look, I know some people who are running their own super funds and they mm. don't class themselves as traders necessarily, but they, yeah. they're they a bit more active than an investor who just sort of buys mm. and hold. And unless, they, you, unless you're good at technical analysis, why would you use it? No, but they, that's what I'm saying. They've done the course. Oh, okay. That's what you're saying. Well, then that's okay then. Yeah, I'm expanding. So they've actually done the course. I'm talking so about they people can... who haven't done our course and aren't necessarily Well, I've seen people with self-managed super funds who have mm. had a higgledy-piggledy portfolio mm. and they didn't know what to do. And then they've done the course, mm. sorted it all out, and that saved them an absolute fortune. And, and they've got money, the software yeah. package free. Cool. So I what can... we basically do is mm. we would filter this down into the stocks we want for our portfolio. So if we want a top yep. 100 top portfolio, more medium term, then we would take out anything on that list that's not in the top 100. So that's what we would do next. And then we would look at the results on that. So we would be Well, that would at, cut it down pretty small then, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah we would be looking at AGL, then, which you? is one stock we, uh, we've already looked at today. We'd look at Spark Energy. Osnet. Osnet Services. There's a few there we'd look in this sort of area. APA we would look at probably. Um, and there's be a couple there we'd look at in this particular sector. So we'd be looking at whatever sector. So right now we'd be looking at financials, energy, yep. materials, utilities. They're the areas we'd be looking at for these mm. sorts of stocks and put them on our watch list. Then we'd put them through from that. We'd put them through a fundamental screen, looking at their fundamentals. Like AMP is not really making much money at the moment. So it probably wouldn't make our list. Yep. Um, I think it's only making money in one division. So well, AMP can make a list from a technical point of view, hmm. um, but from a fundamental point of view, what yeah. you're saying is it has to be classed as more of a high risk, yeah. medium medium to high risk um, opportunity because hmm. of its weighting, hmm. it can still be classed as that. But stocks like, if I look here, Renew Energy, 
I can guarantee that's going to be in a liquid share. Yes. Um, and vault power is probably highly illiquid as well. And so those types of stocks, um, you know, they, they would be classed as high risk. Yeah, that's why we mm. filter those out first, find a list of stocks, then do some fundamental screening on them as well, looking at EPS, dividend yields, those sorts of things. And then that gives us a watch list. So we can narrow down, you know, 100 stocks down to probably a dozen, mm. maybe 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 20 stocks. And it makes it so much easier then when mm. you go to do the analysis to yeah. be able to do that. But look, this is one sector. If we go to a sector like materials, you're likely to have more stocks. That you oh, you do. But the thing at. is, is I was watching something the other day and, or looking at something the other day and they had, you know, this person said, you know, the, Australia's only 2% of the world markets, you know, <laughs> you need to go offshore. And I went, wow, how confusing is that going to be? <laughs> 500 stocks is enough to get confused on, let alone 5,000 or 5 million or whatever it is around the world. But anyway, yep. but that's roughly our process right through. Now we've not got time to look at, bring it right down into actual stocks and look at that because that would take us a while to actually do the filter properly and bring it down into actual stocks. But it, you can follow that process yourself at home because there's information like this online um, all over the place. But uh, but I think let's get back into the chat now. So hopefully that's helped you a little bit about how we filter it down as a high level. Obviously, we couldn't get into the detail, but let's get into the chat and see who we've got. We've got uh, Jeff wants Telstra. So let's have a look at Telstra right. uh, because the telco sector has done okay, but mm. not great. Yeah. And but Telstra is the one that drives that sector, like Cochlear drives the healthcare sector. Although with its share price going so low yeah. over recent times, you'd wonder, wouldn't you? Yeah. That the absolutely. others have got an opportunity to play catch up here. So looking at um, Telstra, you can just out of interest, um, let's actually show them the telco sector here as well. Well, Jeff's saying I'm watching your show. Oh, hi, Dale, I'm watching your show, all of you, but never asked any questions. So, well, Malcolm, he's, I think he said he's watching all of the shows, but never asked a question. Okay. Um, could you kindly do tonight? I brought um, Telstra at $4 and still hold in. What's your take on Telstra? Now, there's quickly the sector. So you can see the dominance of Telstra in the sector. I'm going to switch back to Telstra. There's it not looks, a lot of difference. It looks almost there? the same, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So looking at that, um, here's the whole history of Telstra. And some of you may remember that um, those, you know, high height. At $9.22 yeah, or whatever it is. Nine. Um, those high prices at 8 or $9 when it traded up there. <laughs> Uh, it actually, Telstra actually attempted to get back to those sort of levels here in February 2015, but failed dismally and ended up, and you may not have thought that was possible, that it could actually end up right back where it started this run in November 2010, but it didn't. So that's why you never underestimate any share. It doesn't matter what the company is, how well they're doing at a particular point in time, those shares can always trade lower. So looking at Telstra now, it actually looks quite... Um, a lot better, must say, than it has for some time. And it's been making higher highs on the monthly chart and trending up, which is good to see. Weekly chart also looks good. We've seen um, a nice rise here up until this point in August 2019. Look, um, with any share, as I said, even with Telstra, there's always a risk of the downside. So the important thing is to understand, well, where would I exit if it was to fall away? And where would I buy it if it was to continue to rise? Now, um, if you're not already in the share, I would actually wait for it to um, start moving back up again in the next couple of weeks before looking at it. If you actually um, own the share already, then you'd have to actually be um, watching it closely to see that it actually stays up around this $3, above $3.40 or thereabouts. Um, because what, if it can do that, trade sideways and move up higher, then we're out of this risk zone for Telstra. But if it actually comes back lower, then obviously it's not the right time okay. for Telstra. Cool. All right. So let's speed it up now because we've got a lot of All stocks right. to cover. Let's go. So the next one I've got on the list, can I just go through the ones that I've got here? Yeah, you can go through the ones you've got there. So Adrian, this one is here. Adrian. BWX. Oh, that's an interesting share. bought it at 227 in July. Okay, um, looking trending up nicely. Really nice. Uh, really nice strong rise there underneath it. So you'd be quite happy with that. But never just assume that you're going to be able to lock away a profit, even if your share has moved up nicely. Mm. It looks like it's really struggling now to, to justify higher a higher value but if it trades above this point here in November 2019 which is about 471 then it's more likely to continue on and could head up to around 540 580 um, if it pulls back below about um, three dollars 65 or 370 then we could see much lower prices in the short term for this share so you okay. want to have a good tight stop loss on a stock like this one but looking good at the moment. Okay, so Bython saying for EVN. EVN, he said, I was looking at EVN early okay. this, in, in the month to buy, which would have been about 10% of my portfolio. My goal, my view is currently it's EVN will fall more. Do we agree? 
Okay, so you've got your money management rules in place, which sounds great. That's good. You've been listening. I think it's bearish. Um, I actually still think it's bearish as well. Next. So this week it's kept falling. So look, it will turn around eventually, but not right now. Yeah, it's going down. All right. Monur saying uh, he's asking about WGX. Okay, WGX is actually West Gold Resources. This is a um, a more volatile stock. Let's actually get some volume on it so we can see what's happening there. Um, he bought it when it was two forty four. Since then, the stocks went down to dollar ninety seven. Then he bought. Then I bought another four thousand two hundred units today, down again to dollar ninety two. What's your advice? My advice is never ever buy more that want something you're losing money on. My advice um, is don't take tips. Even tips. from people you trust. That's the thing. Mm. You've, you've really got to actually learn how to trade stocks like this. This is classed as what I would call is a medium to high risk type share because of the liquidity on the stock. So it can actually fall really quickly. And Dale's point is exactly right. I mean, looking, it's come back 25% from that high already. It could come back further. In the short term, we could see a little bit of a rebound and a, and a bit of a retest up around that 220, 225. Um, we would need to do, make that reversal reasonably quickly. Now, looking at that, if it trades above, I'm looking at the weekly chart now, gets above the high of 207, then it's more likely to hold up. But if we start heading back below $1.80, then the real risk is there's there for a continuation of that decline. So yeah. it's already given lots of signals to exit on this share. However, it really depends on what your rules are to manage your risk, how you decide to get out of that. Yeah, but, put a stop loss on it and keep mm, it and read my book because then you won't do what you've just done buying more stocks. Um, yeah, averaging or dollar cost averaging is a way to make yourself broke. Um, yeah. So I do buy the That's book. The, the industry talk about it. Financial advisors yeah. have talked about it for years, but it can be a disaster. Can we look so at S32 now for Cherie? Of course, She's got yeah. three stocks, but we'll pick S32 because okay, I'll Cherie, pick that. Great. Um, look, S32 is actually, I think, got some promise in the short term. It still needs to prove itself, but in the short term, it's just trading sideways. I'd really like to see a nice strong move up on the share um, before I'd you know, be willing to say it's going up because there is some short-term risk on the downside that it could take out this low in August. But at the moment, it's not telling us what the direction is. So I would just say at the moment, if you own the wait. share, you would just be holding it. If you don't own it, you have to wait and for confirmation of direction in, or, or a rule to trigger in one direction or the other. Hmm. Now we go to Caltex. Well, that's interesting because of the takeover bid by the Canadian company. Yeah, this has been fantastic, hmm. Caltex. Um, look, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say that we we held it, can I? Or, um, um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. We we own, we've held the stock, sorry. We bought it before it took off. Um, okay, so looking at that, um, there's a nice profit there. Now, the challenge with the takeovers is if the board knocks back a takeover and you've got, hmm. you're holding the stock, you're in a bit of limbo land mm. because the board has already re rejected the offer twice. Apparently there were two offers um, around 32 and 34.50 and it's rejected those offers. Now the fact that the share price has actually held up and is steady around those prices indicates that there may be a subsequent offer and that's what the market was well, indicating. they're saying it's pretty close. Yeah, it's they're very, pretty very close. close. But, but in effect, what's the additional upside that mm. you get? Now, a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush. So you know, I'd rather take the money and, and you know, lock that profit in for clients than to risk, um, you know, some downside there that could happen. I've seen it so many times on different shares um, just to get a few more percent. Yeah, but I think this mm. is this is the only time Janine and I won't use a technical exit on a stock. That's it's, a good it's point. It's the yeah. only time we'll ever do that because it's not really about technical and fundamentals there. It's about, well, if, if the company just ups its bid a little bit, then the board will probably ratify it and then it'll be gone. So what's your upside potential? And then if that company's taking it over, then you've got that period of time where you're waiting for wait. all that to happen. And mm. I'd rather just get rid of it and put the money in the bank, basically. Yeah, look, a lot of people get... Um, mm. They get emotional about it, don't they? They go, we've in, made so much money. But they hang out for dividend offers and things mm. like that, which, mm. okay, you know, there might be a little bit, but just weigh up how much mm. time you'd have to weigh, what you're making mm. in that time, and whether you could put your money into something else that might make you a better return during that um, that period of waiting. So that's Caltex next. We've got Agrifier asking about Westpac. It's going down. I don't like it. Um, we had a couple of other stocks I've loaded up there as well. Have you, um, what have you loaded? What was that? Uh, Rio we had? No, no, we and don't. That was for Cherie. No? Okay. So we've already done one for her. So let's go right. on. Yep. Which one did... What's the code? Uh, Westpac. Westpac and Woolworths are the next two. Westpac and, and Woolworths. Okay. 
So two stocks we've got, that and we've got a couple of other stocks, questions we'll try see. and handle. Look, well. Westpac is one of the um, DOG stocks that we were talking about earlier um, in the financial sector. It really has um, been hit hard by the recent scandal with the anti-money laundering situation there and a really sad state of affairs um, for Westpac. So looking at that there, I'd say that just... If you, if you don't own it, I would not be trying to buy this stock cheap. This is just um, too risky given the way that it's unfolded. A move like that could see the stock go lower quite quickly. So I would steer clear of Westpac for now. And, and if you own it, then I guess you should have had a rule um, to manage your risk because there were plenty of reasons to get out of it on the weekly and monthly chart there. Um, Woolworths, I'd say it's looking strong, really nice trend there, really excited about Woolworths. It's gone to a new all-time high, but remember, if you're reading about Woolworths now and you're thinking, oh, maybe it's time to buy the stock, you clearly missed one of the best runs that the shares had. If you own the stock, then fantastic, you will have done really well. Some of you may have only recovered back if you were buy and hold for long term, might have just recovered the big dip that it's been down and just, you know, taken the dividends in, which is great. But um, this share can move quite quickly and there is a gap on the weekly chart down here at about 31.60. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to come back all that way and fill it. However, at some point, this rise is actually going to slow down and stop. And we're starting mm. to see a little bit of a slowdown now. I'd actually like to see it move on above the $40 mark. But, you know, some of these um, psychological resistance levels being whole numbers and 10 multiples of 10, etc., mm. can actually stop a stock. Um, but in the short term, I think we could see at least a couple of months down. Okay. Now, we've got a couple of questions here before we finish up tonight. One is from um, Shiva, who says, Hi, guys. I've heard Dale and Janine talk of technical analysis being fit better than fundamental analysis. And we need to fine-tune that a little bit. Um, how important do you guys think is relational analysis to understanding money flow? Mm. Um, Janine and I don't necessarily say technical is better than fundamental. What we say is that... It's all context-based. Everything we talk about is context-based. When we're talking about it for technical analysis being more important to us than fundamentals, we're talking about it from a trading perspective because basically it's the shorter the time frame that you're trying to hold a share over, the more important technical analysis is. But the longer the time frame you're wanting to hold the stock over, the more important fundamentals is. So if we were buying a stock for five years, we'd be looking at fundamentals that's what we'll be looking at because that's what we need to do and that's as where the well. big end of town so and that as becomes well. really important mm. but if we're day trading which we don't do but if we were to day trade we're not even considering fundamental analysis but even on our short term three months we're not really considering much on fundamentals because you're in and out you're looking at momentum trading there so so they're both really really important we just lean more to technical simply because of the, what we do look i just had a great um, chat to a lady who's uh, retired and she was doing some analysis on the weekly mm. chart and realised that if she traded, if she did a back testing on the monthly, she could actually Make get a better result on the monthly chart and have to look at it less. Mm. So how nice is that? Now, money flow. Now, I know there's things called the chalk and money flow indexes and all that sort of okay. stuff. I don't look at them no, at all and you it. don't look at them all. So that tells you what we think about um, looking at money flow because the chart tells you everything you need to know. If you're looking at trading, you don't need to look outside of that. And when you start getting into a lot of other additional layers, it starts to add complexity to it. But it's a great question, mm. isn't it? Yep. The other question we've got is from, let me have a look at Rex says, I noticed both ANO and PAR had non-renounceable issues and they both have dropped sharply. How does that work with the market? Do you mm. want to have a Non-renounceable. With uh, rights issues, any rights issues, often what happens is the share price will come back to something in the order of what the offer is now. Uh, look, it really, it really gets me because you can work out the percentage of the company that the actual rights, because it's a capital raising essentially. Mm. So you can you can have a look at that and say, okay, these rights, um, you know, they're only worth a certain percentage of the company. So therefore, it doesn't really affect much or shouldn't affect much in terms of the share price, but it does. It does. And so the the, the big um, institutions are having a bit of a play there, and they're taking advantage of the downside when those. 
um, companies make those announcements and it really irks me the way that some of these unfold, but I'm getting over it, so don't worry. <laughs> You're getting over it. I know it does our head in sometimes, doesn't we, it? We can, we can pretty much guess where the share price is going to go to and mm -hmm. it doesn't always hit the price that they're announcing, but it's really interesting to observe these different issues. So if you're holding shares and there is an issue, don't just read the document that comes out. Go and have a look at the chart, have a look at how the stock's unfolding, then have a look at where the stock actually moves to um, when the rights issue's underway and then when it's over. Look at how long it takes to recover. Now that's the really interesting part. Mm, there's a lot of stuff that's interesting. There's a lot of stuff mm. that goes behind the scenes, or suppose not behind the scenes, but that you don't know about that happens that uh, affects the share price and, and moves the share price around. And you know, Janine and I see it all the time, uh, A, because we're fund managers, not only just educators, but Janine sees a lot more than I do yeah. what's going on and it just spins your head sometimes of what's happening. But um, we're now at the end of tonight's show. So thanks for participating. Hit that subscribe button now. You know you want to, you want to subscribe to the channel. So just do it right now and you'll make everybody happy. And Janine will have a happy Christmas, won't you? Well, I can actually say that I beat him because I got because you guys are listening to me. So come on, okay, subscribe. So. Now, if you'd like to see the see the show grow, remember to share it with your social media and your friends and colleagues. I know some of you are doing that. We'd like everybody to do that because it really does help us make for a better show. Also, make sure that you put this show in your calendar so that you're back online next Tuesday at seven pm. If you cannot be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to us at info or info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Well, that really does bring us to the end of the show and I've enjoyed it as much, uh, or hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as I have, I have as well. But thanks, thanks for, for participating. Your <laughs> so thanks we'll for your input. We'll see you again next Tuesday <laughs> at 7pm. But for now, Alex, are we going to have a super special show next week? We are indeed. I'm not telling you what it's going to be, but we're going to have a Dale's super special. Dale's going to wear a Santa hat. I'm going to wear my Santa hat. But for now, goodbye, good luck and good trading, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.